Happy almost weekend, Draftcraft Nation. It is Dan, it's JP, and it is the sound. If I can do this right. Nope, missed. Missed again. This, this is, is epic. This is the not watch. a good start. I'm going to go ahead and take the lead, guys. There we go. That was hilarious. Apparently, opening a bottle when you're trying to hold it up to a screen is not incredibly effective. But wow. since it's Friday afternoon, as we're getting to record this show this time around, it just made sense that we should uh, pop open a bottle, or in this case, try to and fail to open three different times. There you go. Mine works, what mine works pretty smooth, but I try to get yeah. the noise of the beer pouring in the mic, right. but I feel like I'm too good at pouring beer. It didn't. It was silent. Well, this is one of the worst beers I've poured in a while. All the way around, this one just was not a win. You failed across the board, and I blame oh, it my on goodness. that ugly, ugly, chalice-like cup. <laughs> well, here's what I will tell you. Uh, I'm not going to give you the details of what I'm drinking, but I did just crack open a Founders, and I think you did as well. I did. It's one of the ones that we grabbed from the bottle shop when we did our little visit. Yeah, Patty's Day. Now, what we will tell you is we're not drinking the same beer. So that'll be fun. We'll talk about that uh, a little later on. What we wanted to do this time is, let's be honest, we are now full on just under a month away. It is mock draft season. So everybody's putting out their first, second, third, fourth different versions of their mocks. We've already done about 18. So what we decided to do instead was we wanted to give you guys a little bit of a, I don't know, a trip down memory lane. So this could either, I don't know, the next few shows, either we're going to lend a ton of credibility to ourselves or completely shoot whatever credibility you think we have right now, AJP. Yeah, it's going to be a happy blend of both, which is great. But, I, you know, I'm looking back. Ironically, I have some notes from way back then, so I'm just mm-hmm. going to def- I'm just gonna defer to some of that and keep it more of a discussion. Like well, you do have notes. I, I, don't. I don't, so I had to try to rack my brain. But what we're going to do for the next, I want to probably say four shows, this one included, is we're going to go take you guys down a little trip through past drafts because a lot of people always talk about their – their sleepers and their busts and all that kind of stuff. And and everybody likes to, to, you know, retcon things and be like, oh, yeah, I totally knew this guy was going to bust and he busts. And I oh, thought this guy was going to be great. It's like, yeah, sure. OK, but really, though, let's talk about it. So what we're going to do is go back to when you and I first met and started talking football, which was 2009. And we're going to take probably uh, three years, roughly, per show. I think we'll do 9, 10, 11 today. And then we'll kind of move them forward and get ourselves all the way up to, I'd say, I'd say probably the 2020 draft because I think it's too early to say if guys are necessarily going to be busts or stars off of 21 and 22. What do you think? Oh, yeah. We got to give it at least a three-year window. Right. So doing that means that we're basically going to give you guys four different lists, and we don't exactly know who's on each other's list right now, so maybe some overlap should be fun. But these are players that we absolutely pounded the table for and thought were going to be great that panned out. Guys, we thought were going to be great that did not pan out. Guys we thought that were going to bust, that busted, and then guys that we thought were going to bust that ended up being awesome. So my guys and busts, and then what went right and what went wrong for our calls. And and again, we're going to do this as some of this, uh, given the fact that it was, again, 2009, we didn't have a show back then. You had notes, I didn't. So uh, we're going to go based off our best memories on some of these guys. Why don't you start us off with uh, your guys from 2009 that actually did end up panning out? The one you so see, you said the ones we're doing the my guys first, the ones that did pan yeah. out that we pounded the table for. So, again, mm-hmm. just for full clarity, I mean, there's not a lot of full clarity, full transparency. <laughs> transparency, yep. Yeah, that's what I meant to say. Um, you, gotcha. you don't you don't pound a lo- the table for a lot of guys that end up going later in the draft. Let's just right. be honest. So a lot of this is going to be some of the guys who went earlier, mm-hmm. but um. 
Well, we have actually had late round picks that sneak in. But... Yeah, yeah, I got a couple, and you know, and I actually made a mistake because I was did tell you to go seven rounds deep, and I only did the <laughs> first two days, so the first three rounds. Sure. So I might just while you're talking browse through and see what I see. Go but anyhow, I'll just list them mm-hmm. all off. So my guys that I thought were going to be really good. Yeah. This should be a fun discussion. In order of how they were drafted. So starting with mm-hmm. BJ Raji uh, in the first sure. round, ninth pick. Brian Arakpo, 13th pick in the first round. Uh, Brian Cushing, 15th pick in the first mm-hmm. round. Clay Matthews, 26th pick in the first round. And then I went all the way down, a guy that I liked way more than most people, and I had him as a day two pick. He ended mm-hmm. up he, – he was a day two pick, but he went late third round. Uh, Luis Vasquez, interior lineman. Uh-huh. All right. So that, and I was trying to keep it to like five. There were way more right. guys that I liked a lot. I just didn't oh, put sure. on here. But these were five that I liked a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say this, the guy that I liked the most in this, because this is, I think, the year you and I had met and first started talking yeah. about draft. But we dude, met Brian literally Arakpo, about a month, month and a half before the draft. Brian Arakpo was my guy. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting, like, we say, so, like, so, like, Clay Matthews worked. We know that. B.J. Right. Raji, for the most part, I think it's safe to say that he worked. I mean, I he mean, at least worked a lot for those commercials. Fair. Brian <laughs> Cushing, a guy who, like, came in one defensive rookie of the year, looked mm-hmm. fantastic, and then injuries just derailed his career. So I don't know right. what you call that. Like, yeah, it and again, worked, but thing. I kind of want to call it uh, wrong. Because, like, when you're drafting somebody as a 15th tough. overall player, right? like, okay. Because, like, I saw the talent. He had the potential, right. but you can't predict injuries. So does an injury make it a bust? That's where I'm still fuzzy on how we want to. And I don't think we can put him in bust. If anything, we'll have a third category of what if, you know, the what ifs of, of getting hurt. Now, that's, right. in my opinion, for the what ifs can only be injury related or some if it was an off the field accident related kind of a thing that wasn't under their control. Put it this way if they did something that themselves that materially affected what they did. If there was domestic violence, if there was, you know, an assault thing, if there was any of those types of character things that happened, drunk driving, whatever, that caused them to kind of end up in the bus category, that still counts as a bust for me. If you had control over, and again, control, I understand that's a that's a tough issue when you talk about mental health, stuff like that, but it might, you did a thing that put you in a bad spot, you still f- fall in the bus category. If you planted your foot and your knee didn't come with you, that's, it happens, right? That sure. that doesn't count as a bust for me. That's more of the what if category. So I put, you know, Cushing, for example, what if. I got two more guys, though, just real quick, because I'm, I'm looking at my notes all the way back mm-hmm. from 2009, believe it or not. <laughs> One of my best players available on day three that I had written down was Henry Melton, who went in the fourth round, mm-hmm. pick 105, who actually made a Pro Bowl for the Bears. And then what's el- what else is funny is a funny story. Full, I did not have this guy as one of my guys, but mm-hmm. I had him written down as a guy to look at. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I remember in one of my marketing classes, there was a grad student, like teacher's aide, like going for her master's. Like, you know, where you do your undergrad at a different school, go to a different school for teaching, that right. sort of thing. Well, she did her undergrad at Kent State. And uh-huh. she's like, you need to look, if you're a football fan, you need to look yep. into Julian Edelman. Yep. I was like, what? The quarterback slash wide receiver? It's like, no, mm-hmm. he's tiny. Wow, I wish <laughs> I listened to her. Whoops. Yeah, yep. yeah, and but that, definitely point, remember having those conversations with her because she used to wear his jersey and stuff. Like her, she had right. a Kent State like Julian Edelman jersey, and she'd wear it here and there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. And, and that's the thing. I remember being curious about how he was going to work out. We knew he wasn't going to stay as a quarterback, but obviously he did better than I think anyone he could have expected. And that's part of the fun. That's why we're going back and talking. Oh, about I didn't. Guys, even, so. I didn't. Even, the only reason he was on my radar is because she wouldn't shut up about him. Sure. Yeah. I mean, he was on my radar because I paid a lot of attention to uh, to college he's sports in her, he's at that in point conference. in time. 
Right, yeah. exactly. He's a Mac guy, and so you, you you tend to pay a little closer attention to your teams, your schools, etc. But for me, uh, the guys that were my guys in that year, I mean, let's be honest. We both liked Matt Stafford. We both thought he was the right pick for the oh, Lions yeah. at one. It yep. made total sense. And that was even back when he was getting $50 million before he even set foot on the field. So uh, even with the old system, he was still the right choice. That worked out for both of us. High five, right? Uh, but but you, for other guys... You go on- before you go on to your other guys, though, you got to tell the story we were talking about off air with because oh. you and I were bartending <laughs> at a casino, right? And like I swear, every person but the two of us was like, "The no, they shouldn't take a quarterback. They should mm-hmm. take Aaron Curry." And they're like, "We're like, uh, no, a linebacker from Wake Forest or a quarterback right. when we don't have one. No, you have to take Stafford and do not ever consider." Sanchez, but yeah, I feel like we <laughs> argued with everybody who walked by about that. Yeah. Everyone wanted well, Aaron Curry. And some people got in their heads that Dante Culpepper was the answer at quarterback, and it's like, guys, oh, I'm sorry. It's just not. No. And so, yeah, it's like, and again, that was, and, and I like Stafford coming out of college. I like the way he played at Georgia, and obviously he, he showed up. I mean, a lot of people tried to get him in his first season and a half or whatever, saying, oh, he's fragile, he has injury concerns. I'm like, this dude separated his shoulder and came back in and, you know, won a game. So I think we're fine. And, and again, obviously it worked out. Really happy that he won a title, even if it wasn't with Detroit. But as far as my guys go, though, I'm going to start in, and there's only one first rounder that I decided to talk about because the other guys I liked along with a lot of where first. you were at. But uh, first round, 10th pick, Michael Crabtree. Big fan of him when he was at Texas Tech, mostly I think because he either beat Oklahoma or Texas, and I loved that moment. I'm like, all right, this is my guy. Am I allowed to jump in again? Go ahead. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but so Crabtree mm-hmm. was a guy who was absolutely on my radar. But sure. when the Niners drafted him, I remembered like both Jerry Rice and Deion Sanders reached out to him to try to work with him and give him some advice, and he declined them both. And was like, "Okay, yep. I'm out on this guy." Yeah, yeah, that was a, an oops. Or no, it was at part. the combine because because yeah, because I was I was in on Crabtree and then out right. before he was drafted based on whatever <laughs> happened with that. Like, okay, I'm yeah. out. You yeah, don't and do I don't that. think I remember hearing about that uh, until after the draft. But I yeah, could so be wrong. I liked Crabtree. Uh, and this again, is I, this is like 13 years ago. So. <laughs> right. And the other piece of that, too, I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong. You do something like that. Uh, and I, I'd say, um, you know, I, I'd take Jerry's advice. I don't know if I'd have, have Dion Fair. help me out, but Jerry I'd definitely take, right? I mean, now everybody wants Dion to help him. So. Uh, another pick in uh, the second round was Max Unger, the center. Thought he was going to be great. That worked out pretty well. Uh, LaShawn McCoy loved Shady when he was at, at Pittsburgh, and so that was the 53rd pick in the second round. And then two guys later on in the fourth and fifth rounds that I thought were going to be good and were good to a certain extent. Uh, in the fourth round, at the 112th pick, Glover Quinn. Definitely liked him. Uh, and then Johnny Knox, the wide receiver from Abilene Christian that the Bears took in the fifth round, was like my little small school guy that I was in on that year. And he wasn't amazing, but he wasn't a bust either. He had a pretty solid career, all things considered. I mean... Yeah, you had a couple on there that weren't on my radar, but some some we aligned with. That's what's funny. That's what makes this fun. Right. But the most fun about this, though, I think is what we're getting ready to get into, the my guys that went <laughs> south. This is my oh, favorite man. part of everything. Yep. So I'll, I'll, I'll do mine first. The one I've already talked about on the show, because mm-hmm. uh, I think we did an episode of like our top like prospects at each position before. Right. But no Sean Moreno. I, and I don't like running backs in the first round, but I was all aboard the Nosha Moreno train. He was the 12th right. overall pick. It didn't work. It kind of worked. Yeah. Like, he's in a full-on bus. I mean, he had a year or two in there, bus, and he flashed. But, but Yeah, and again, Nosha was on, on my list as well. 
because he did. He just looked like he was going to be somebody spectacular. He had a crazy good uh, career in college and just kind of seemed like he was going to be the fit that they needed uh, on that team there in, in Denver. And, and he did. He had 1,000-yard season, and that was it. Yeah, no. <laughs> but for the I only had two I only had two other guys that I was really really pounding the table for. Mm-hmm. Uh, one makes me kind of sad. Thirty uh, fifth pick overall, James Laurinaitis from Ohio State. Couldn't deny it. Loved it. And his dad was like the well, wrestler. He was the dad was a wrestler in the WWE. Laurinaitis, and I liked it. He wasn't terrible. He wasn't like a he, he wasn't, wasn't a complete he wasn't bust. A, I don't think he was a thirty fifth overall pick. No, and then no, just three but... picks three picks later, linebackers, because obviously I've been telling everybody I have the linebacker love. Right. I mean, it, it, it happens, but uh, Ray Malulaga out of USC, I was yep. a, a huge fan of Ray as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, Ray is a guy but, that I can agree with you on that. But Before we get too far on this, though, I did forget to mention this, because you've seen the thing where it's like the me versus Detroit on the draft picks, and what I would have done, I have this thing that I always did for best players available on day three. Yeah. Henry Melton, who I mentioned, was on here. I listed Terrence Taylor, a little Michigan bias love, didn't work out. I had Austin mm-hmm. Colley, who flashed, looked really good, but the concussions mm-hmm. derailed him. EJ Biggers, that wasn't bad because he was like a, a sixth or seventh round pick. But the one reason I wanted to bring it up is Danelle Ellerby. I mm-hmm. had as one of the best available for day three, and he went <laughs> undrafted. And He had a solid career, dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did. Yeah, and again, we didn't, we haven't really gone into the undrafted guys that we liked that that ended up oh, sure. out because again, that's a whole other world of you know, speculative hope, right? Uh, but I will give you this on on James Laurinaitis. Now, you talked about him not panning out, and admittedly, he wasn't a Pro Bowler at any point. He wasn't the the top tier of anything, but he did lead the league in solo tackles in 2012. He was up around a hundred <laughs> solo tackles each of his first three seasons, or four, first four seasons. It was after his fourth year that he sort of tra- dropping off, and then it was just a a hard crash from there. So he just didn't age the way you'd think. You would think a guy uh, would start hitting his peak in his mid to late twenties, and he peaked at like 25, 26, and then it was downhill from there for him. So he he's not a bust. But he also is not a star. So I'm going to give you a little bit of grace on that one, dude. I don't think you completely were I'll take it. there. I'll take it. I, on the other hand, had two guys that I was very wrong on. So one it, was it, another it, running back. I was very big, and I, I don't know why exactly, because uh, the UConn shouldn't actually be known for, for anything football-related, it seems like. Uh, but I was all about Donald Brown coming out of uh out I of remember UConn. that, too. That did not work out. Donald mm-hmm. Brown did not do much of anything in his time. Uh, it was very sad. But, uh, again, it's a running back. Running backs are always a, a crapshoot at times. And the other guy was actually when the Lions picked up in the fourth round. That was Sammy Lee Hill, a giant six foot four, three 331-pound man that had, From like, Stillman he played. Or something like right. that. Right. Yeah, and he played, like, eight positions in college. You're like, cool, this guy's a versatile dude. You can put him in the backfield and, you know, have him be a lead blocker and let him sit, anchor down there in the defensive line. This is going to be great. And he played. He did play. He played 97 games. He only started half of those. And he just was there. He wasn't a complete bust in the sense that he actually played several seasons. But he also wasn't very good. And so, sorry, Sammy. I wouldn't say that to your face because you're a lot larger than I am. But, you know, hey, Donald Brown was a a solid miss for me, I'm going to be honest with you. And and it's funny how many uh, running back names are going to show up on both sides of this list. Uh, but there's a handful of running backs in in all of these uh, my guys and bust side of things. 
So the and again, look, I'll be honest with you, we're probably gonna have more names as we go further, as we get closer to now on the the guys that are my guys that we were wrong. Oh yeah, on because we're gonna the remember them better. Memories are fuzzies. Fuzzy. Uh, so for bus players that I was right about, kind mm-hmm. of already alluded to some of this, did not like Mark Sanchez or Josh Freeman sure. at all. Yep. You know what? I and I realized too. for doing these first three years and looking at it, I pretty much, I am absolutely brutal when it comes to quarterbacks. <laughs> so well, it was a rough more start to, to the quarterbacking season. Uh, I will I will say this, though. Josh Freeman did better than Mark Sanchez. Mm, yeah, I guess that's up for debate. Yeah. Well, Josh Either Freeman way, at least had a couple seasons. Good. Mark Sanchez had a butt fumble. Yeah, he's way famous for that. And and he is a much better commentator than Josh Freeman, so I'll give him that. But it's not what he was going so for. So the la- the last three names I have for the bus that I was right about, and you can if you disagree with some of these, go for it. But sure. I did not like did not like Brandon Pettigrew. I don't know sure. what Detroit's infatuation is with drafting tight ends that I do not like is, but it's. Uh, it's driving me crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, the other guy was at least I didn't, you know, like get on the parade train for this Buckeye, but Beanie Wells did not like Beanie Wells yep. at all. Beanie's on my list. And too. then, then I went right back to the quarterback. Well, uh, did not like uh, Pat White. From well, he West wasn't Virginia. even a quarterback. I know, but he played quarterback <laughs> like then. Sure. So. Yeah, that's my list of bus players that I called that I just heard a lot of buzz about, and I was like, nope, nope, not happening. Okay, I'm gonna look up stats real quick on one of the guys that I wasn't sure if uh, I th- didn't think he. I thought he was gonna be a bust, and uh, I think he did end up being a bust. But I want to make sure that I'm not completely, you know, making myself look silly. So we're gonna do a little live. Uh, update here but one of the guys that i had on my bust list just because eh, i just didn't feel good about him and you know now that i'm looking at it he he's a bust off of where he was picked there's no doubt he did play for a number of years in the league but that was the third overall pick that year and tyson jackson just wasn't impressed by him i didn't think he was he's gonna just, be that great he's just one of those guys that was just like neutral for me Sure. Like, I yeah. wasn't pounding the table for him. I wasn't good or bad. Mm-hmm. He was just kind of there. and like, You know what the funny part yeah. was? That's pretty much what he did in the league. He was just kind of there. Yep. He <laughs> didn't do that much. Makes, that makes sense. So I'm counting him on there in the bus. I was at Josh Freeman we talked about. Beanie Wells is in there. Uh, Paria, Pariah, Paria, Jerry. I don't know if you remember him at all. Yep. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, he's another guy that I thought wasn't going to turn out, and he just didn't. Uh, and then Richard Quinn was another one that I, uh, in the second round, uh, was uh, I think a tight end that just didn't really do much either. So those were the guys that, uh, and again, it was easy. I felt the quarterbacks were too easy uh, to pick on uh, in that particular draft, and so I kind of took it easy on them. But Josh Freeman was definitely one that I'm like, this is just a big dude. And he actually flashed. He flashed for a season or two, and then he was done. He was one of those weird guys that you think, oh, maybe something's happening here. And then, no, he's just he's just gone. So you may as well keep going here. I promise I have some for every other draft year. But there was literally nobody in 2009 that I was adamant about saying is not a good player that Mm -hmm. didn't prove me wrong. Well, here's what's fun. I have have nobody that I said that was going to be a bust that ended up being good. There you go. I have one, two, three, four guys that I thought weren't going to be good that turned out to varying levels of good, and it's really funny with one of the names because we already talked about him. But one is Ziggy Hood. Did not think he was going to be great, and he had a pretty solid season. His career, all things considered, he wasn't amazing, but he wasn't a bust, certainly. Uh, and then in the fourth round, T.J. Lang. Didn't think he was going to be any good, and he obviously had a pretty solid career. 
pick that I did not want the Lions to make, they made, and it worked out all right, I suppose. Uh, DeAndre Levy was not a bust. He wasn't, again, he wasn't you know amazing, but he didn't just flame out. And here's what I find interesting. The guy that I thought was going to be a bust, that you thought was going to be great, that you put in your bust category that I think was less less of a bust is Ray Maluga. He wasn't a bust. He wasn't good, but he wasn't a bust. Mm. He still played for a while. He still had a bunch of tackles in the league. He was just he didn't live up to what you would want out of a second round, a high second round draft pick. But he also wasn't a waste. He wasn't out of the league in three years. So that's where it gets fun. This is where we got the the gray yeah. area of well, I mean, because again, when you when you look at his stats, and this might be the the first and last time that Ray Maluga gets any love. Uh, on a podcast about football this year, <laughs> but he played for eight year for nine seasons. He started 108 games. He had you know 600 some odd tackles. So again, he he wasn't amazing, but he played and played somewhat consistently for a long time. Just he wasn't great in his last couple of years. He just didn't do much. He's another one of those linebackers that you know by his late 20s was just done. All right, are we ready to go to 2010 then? I think so. Let's jump into 2010 if there's anything else. Again, I think 2009, like I said, the big thing that we uh, we can say there was we, we got Matt Stafford, right? Yep. I guess you can say <laughs> that. 2010, though, um, this was really easy for the first couple. Mm-hmm. Dude, I was such such a huge fan of Indomitian Sue, mm-hmm. Eric Berry, and Joe Hayden. It wasn't sure. even funny. But they're the first three, fan. all three top ten picks. Loved all three of those guys. Right. Um, and again, this is the my guys that actually worked. Portion How often like for did you have to defend uh, and Sue to people? Uh, all the time. Which even didn't after make he sense. kept playing. I mean, don't get me wrong. He, I think he stepped on TJ Lang actually at one point. Uh, he, he, the dude played with him played it still plays with a mean streak that i think he's gotten better about over the years he just he played if he, past if he played the in the 70s yeah if he played in the 70s they'd have statues of this guy all over oh the place my goodness him. you wouldn't even know so, who mean joe green was so the last three guys um that i had on here for my guys that actually worked out uh 13th mm-hmm. overall pick brandon graham these okay. are all first rounders this year i remember being obsessed with the first round players this year <laughs> top heavy uh, draft Earl, Earl Thomas, I loved, and you know mm-hmm. how I always love players. Big fan Earl Thomas, he's on my list. And Mike Ayupati. Okay, sure. So I mean, yeah. if if I while you're going, I'll scroll through that year and see <laughs> if could. I can get some guys that are my notes here that were non first round picks that I liked mm-hmm. a lot. Well, um, one I'll tell you is uh, Earl Thomas is definitely on my list as well. I was a big fan yeah. of him. I liked how he played. Obviously, Sue. Uh, again, I was a huge fan. I'm really glad they went that route because there was a debate at one point about Sue and McCoy and who was going to be better. It's like, no, just take Sue. Stop. Stop debating this. Uh, and then in the second round, I really like Sean Lee. And I feel like Sean Lee had a solid career. He wasn't, oh, like, you a, know wasn't sad. like a long-term guy. but hmm. You know what's sad is I'm looking through my notes and I have written down both Penn State linebackers. So that go. encompasses Sean Lee and Navarro <laughs> Bowman, which yep. they both worked out. Mm-hmm. So, I yep. We'll so yeah, you we had both of them on them. Oh, you got them on yours too? Oh, well, not on that list. Oh, dang. Uh-oh. I had yeah. I just put good players, both Penn State linebackers is what I wrote. Mm-hmm. No names. Right. Yeah, there you go. And then uh, my other one is one that we've talked about a little bit, uh, and I had a little bit of uh, a personal reason for taking him because I actually you know, got a chance to talk to the guy a couple times, and that's uh, in the sixth round, the 195th pick, Antonio Brown. He should have come out he, in 2011. That's but funny because he he's going to be on a different list for me. Okay, well he counts as no, he's not. A, 
a my guy. He definitely counts as a my guy that worked out because as much as he might be, uh, not might be, I think actually has some mental challenges uh, and has played his way out of the league now. He had a very solid career for the first half of it and was a huge, huge uh, addition there for, for Pittsburgh. And the thing I'll tell you about Antonio Brown, the reason why I say it, I was like, I worked with the sports network in Central Michigan when Antonio Brown was playing there. And here's what I can first off tell you. They listed him at like 5'11". I'm 5'9". The dude was a little shorter than me, okay? But he's a lot faster, so that's why he's playing in the NFL. Uh, he, well, he was he quicker. Always, he, he wasn't super fast. He was No, quick. he was quicker. He, he got caught from behind a couple times, but uh, he was uh, quicker. He's probably faster than me, too, but he's definitely quicker. Uh, but the thing about Antonio Brown was he had that uh, just over-the-top confidence about himself, even when no one knew who he was and he was playing as central. So he's been consistent about that through his whole life. But I do think, it's funny, I think I've said this back in the day, if he would have, he should have waited another year from a standpoint of him putting himself in the best position to get, uh, to be a higher draft pick. He got drafted in the sixth round. But because he got drafted in the sixth round, he had to bust it. And the one thing that I will always defend Antonio Brown about, not about his antics off the field, not about quitting on a team halfway through a game, any of that stuff, is he is one of the hardest working guys when he was in the NFL. And even before then, the dude put in the work. If he wasn't a bit crazy he'd be good but the dude put in work and he ended up being a a good pick to to hang my hat on until he went crazy so let me explain why i had him in a different column but he belongs in this column so like okay. on my notes here for the later rounds mm-hmm. what i wrote was dan lefevre slash antonio brown but i had him in the right i was right about him busting column whoops so we i that little getting ahead of myself i have dan lefevre is right about busting um, oh, we're that was a quarterback for those who don't know, but I actually met Dan Lefever a few times here. Was not a huge fan of the guy and the way he carried himself, but mm-hmm. I wrote slash Antonio Brown because what I wanted to mention was I wanted to argue that Antonio Brown made Dan Lefever in a way, in a way. <laughs> so well, the other, I was I was on the Antonio Brown fan, but you were bigger than I was on him. Right. I yeah. I was like he's a very solid player. I had a day two pick grade on him. Mm-hmm. But I never would expect. I mean, he's probably, dude. If he wasn't crazy, he'd probably go in the Hall of Fame. He might still. Oh, yeah. He, I don't think he's gonna go in the Hall of Fame. I think he he burned his bridges too much. I think people won't vote for him because of his personality. But yeah, I mean, the dude from a six year stretch basically was a six, you know, Pro Bowler six years in a row, and four of those years was All Pro. So I mean, when you put together those kind of numbers to to start off your career, so to speak, you're not start off in the middle of your career, so to speak. You're you're gonna have people notice. He led the league in in receptions twice and in yards twice and touchdowns one time. I mean, the dude had an amazing career until he got to be about thirty, and then had his his issues with New England and Tampa at the end there. And again, even with New England and Tampa, not New England so much, but in Tampa, you know, he still caught forty passes each each of those seasons. He just then decided to quit on his team because he's clearly got some things he needs to work through and I think still does. But, and again, this isn't, I did not think he was going to get to the heights that he did, but I knew he was going to be a good player. Like I thought he was going to be a very solid receiver, a good second, third option on a team. Because again, they still listen at five eleven, and that's a lot. Uh, But again, Antonio Brown, big fan of him as a player, less of a fan of him as a person, but Hey, what are you going to do? Clearly you can tell we both went to CMU considering we just spent five entire minutes on Antonio Brown. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. Uh, I'm just going to jump over to my guys that I was wrong on because I'm going to go from uh, the, the back end of the draft because one of the guys that I thought was definitely going to have a solid career was Dan LaFever. I didn't have the personal interaction at the same level as you did. Now that I have had it with him, look, he he struck me as a little too much of a dude, bro. 
Like he didn't think take things seriously enough after the no. fact. I didn't know that at the time. But the the way that he seemed like one of the the first real solid dual threat quarterbacks in a while that was able to run and pass it the way that he did, I thought he was going to have a shot. And I thought it was very interesting that he ended up as a sixth round draft pick by the Bears. The year his rookie year, he ended up getting cut, so he didn't even make the team uh, out of training camp. But another guy I did. I remember going, "Told you so." Yeah, you did. But but the crazy thing was that was the year the Bears went to the NFC Championship game against the Packers. Cutler did his whole "I hurt my knee, I want to get out." Todd Collins, his cadaver, came in for like three plays, uh, and then I can't remember who the third string guy was, but they brought in the third string guy. They ended up losing the game because couldn't move football. But I'm thinking that was Dan Lefevre's chance. If he would have been there, the third string guy for the Bears, he would have stepped up. It would have been amazing. Whatever uh, re- revisionist history for me. So this was a quarterback-heavy year for me on guys that I thought were going to be good and clearly were, it clearly did not pan out because I thought Colt McCoy was going to be great. Now, he's still bouncing around as a backup. It seems like he's a very well-respected guy who can start a game Colt. here or there for I him. didn't think he was going to be really great, but Colt. I liked him. Yeah. I thought he was going to be one of those guys that didn't have the tools but still managed to be good kind of thing. So that didn't work yeah. out uh, in the third round, 85th pick. The 69th pick, Jared Valdir, another Michigan guy who went to uh, Hillsdale, was just this six foot eight inch mountain of a man who seemed like he was going to be this small school dude who's going to be great, and he was a workout warrior. Great, great in the weight room, less great on the football field. Uh, I was a big fan as well in the second round of Toby Gerhardt. I thought he was going to have like one of those great Smash Mouth running backs, and that just never really panned out, which is a bummer because I really liked him. Uh, and then I will go, and you know this, and this is not something I have to try to defend other than the fact that I have to defend the fact that I like the man, but I was all in on Tim Tebow the whole time. I didn't think he was a first-round draft you, pick. I didn't think it was a good guy. choice. Uh, I did not think it was a good choice for Denver to do what they did to grab him, but I was just like, you just wait. You just wait. It's all going to work out. No one's going to be able to explain it. It's a God thing, whatever, and it pretty much was for a season, and then, well, hey, sorry, Timmy. You had you had that moment. You had that one pass to Demarius Thomas. We'll always remember that. Because is that the end of you it's making it. fun of yourself? For now, until we get to okay. the next season. <laughs> so real quick, I I don't know when this is. It's a good opportunity to slide this in because it fits okay. in all the categories in one fell sure. swoop. But I just found out that I lied. I did nah. not have Antonio Brown as a day two grade. I went back and looked at my old notes, and you know how I did that best player players available on day three. Oh, thing? okay, right. My top five players available on day three of the draft. I had Bruce Campbell, Mitch Petras, Rashad Jones, Stevie Brown, and Antonio Brown. Well, so I guess so, technically you could say you had a, a day two grade in him because he was still he was one of your top five picks for day that's three. Fair. So he's oh yeah, maybe I had round, the two grade on him and he was just available. That's fair, right? But yeah. all things considered, obviously, and we know Antonio Brown did good, Rashad Jones did good, Mitch Petras I think did okay. Um, so I wasn't I wasn't too far off on there, but mm. let's go back to making fun of myself because that's what I, that's what I really like. <laughs> Get into Dude, it. I'm telling you, it is the funnest part of this. But I, instead of going for the bottom, I'm going to go for the top because okay. you can attest. The first player I'm going to talk about is the the sole reason why anytime there's a workout warrior from here on out, <laughs> I just call them all red flags. Sure. Like, hold on. I got to go back and watch mm-hmm. the tape no matter what. Even if I liked him, if I thought his stats were good, if he shreds the combine, I go, hold on. I got to right. go back. But Spoon. Oh, uh, yeah. Sean Weatherspoon. I was mm-hmm. such a big freaking fan of. 19th <laughs> overall pick. I thought it was awesome. Wanted the mm-hmm. Lions to get him. Uh, he was not good. 
He just wasn't good. And then I just, uh, that one hurt. That hurts probably. Uh, if I did top five players I was most excited about that hurt the most, or six pack. Sorry, we went to top six. All right. Top six players at any position that I thought was going to be good that didn't work out that hurt me the most. He's in it. He <laughs> well, is and it, in it. And he, he did have two seasons where he's credited with 100-ish tackles. So I thought he was going to be I'll so good. That. His second Dan, and his I third call, season. I told that was you where, he was going to be a borderline Hall of Famer. He was a borderline something. Oh my goodness! Did he get uh, but yeah, hurt, let me. Or let did me, he just start to suck? I was, I a, was a little bit of both. Don't let me okay. live this anymore. I'm getting sad and depressed. <laughs> Going to ruin the vibe of the rest of the show. For the rest right. of this. All right. So the one, the other ones where you can make fun of me. Offensive tackle, Brian Bulaga. You know, basically, if you come mm-hmm. from Iowa, you've piqued my interest. If you're an old lineman from Iowa, I'm very interested. Sure. To, yeah, he didn't work out all that well. Probably mostly due to injuries, but we'll see. Taylor Mays. I like Taylor Mays. Safety oh, yeah. out of USC quite mm-hmm. a bit. I have Toby Gerhardt on my list as well. Mm-hmm. Then a guy that I was super-duper high on was Jordan Shipley for oh, Texas, yeah. the wide receiver. Huge fan of him. And then I also had a safety from Florida State, Myron Roll, the doctor. Mm-hmm. I'm a super smart guy who had like a 12.0 GPA. Yeah, it's That's a good thing he had the brains to fall back on. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, I, I actually liked all those guys. Dude, Myron Roll ended up going in the sixth round. Like I was mm-hmm. like, I think about the time the fourth round hit, I was like, okay, Myron Roll's there. Like he's solid. Fifth there round, I was like, what are people doing? Sixth round, I was like, somebody draft Myron Roll. What is going on? <laughs> Oh, they need more than you did on that pick, at least. Yeah, I was wrong on that one. What are you going to do? All right. Well, I'll go first this time on the guys that we called that were going to be busts, that were actually mm-hmm. busts. Okay. Number eight overall pick. Oh, all My right. My goodness. And this is probably going to be a common theme. I'm telling you, just going through here, I've said it on the show before, but the only two players until this year, because this year there's actually a few players I'd like from the team, but... Every single Bama player not named Julio mm-hmm. Jones or Chance Warmack. One worked out, the other one did not. So there's a <laughs> right. future bust for me. Uh, I just said basically anyone from Bama was going to bust. Sure. Okay? But Rolando McClain was not a fan. I was uh, not a fan mm-hmm. of that pick at all. I didn't think he had any business being anywhere near the top ten, probably <laughs> not even the first round. I liked did him, but like I didn't it. think he was that good. No, he was not good. Uh Dan, this one's going to break your heart, so I'll just say it and move on really quickly. Tim Tebow. Don't do it. Nah. Tim Tebow. Damn not hey. good. Going to be a bust. The guy looked like Shoot he was it. shot putting the football from like Larry pulls a little football next to his neck and just kind of. And yet, just he got chucks it out there. He's awesome in college. It's like, dude, there's no way that's going to work in the pros. <laughs> there's no way. Look at that. Look how he throws the ball, and it takes him it, forever um, to get it out. Like, I don't know. I didn't like him. It, it didn't it didn't really work out in the pros, did it? No, it didn't. He showed greatness here in a couple games, though. I'll give you that. I was like, okay, that game was phenomenal. Let's see if he can do well, that even two more times in his career. The craziest thing, and, and we'll get off Tebow here in a minute, was the, the man, again, I tell people, it's like, you need to understand, they win games in spite of him. He had five fourth-quarter comebacks and yes. game-winning drives in that second season where he started you know, 11 of the the 15 games and he was seven and four as a starter he was just he was way a great too motivator. unconventional right he's he a great motivator pretty I, mean, solid I still leader. think 
I still think he he falls into the category of one of the, the best guys. You know, the people who, oh, yeah. once you got past all of the, the bluster that people tried to throw out there on, on one side or the other, you just got to know him as a human. I'm pretty sure he's a good dude. Never met him personally. But the thing that uh, that I'd be curious about, though, too, is if he came out now, would he be in a different situation? Because teams are more, I guess, willing to to tweak their offense to fit a strength of a quarterback than they used to be. Like if again, he had Lamar a court, if he had a QB guru coach who could fix that throwing form, <laughs> sure, maybe I'm on board yeah. with you. He had the I'm ugliest throw I've ever seen in my entire life. Sure, but if you if you put him, on it's like, like it's know, like his, now. It's like he Ooh, didn't have an elbow. It's weird to say this because it felt like he was shot putting the ball, but like once his arm came back, it was like his elbow could no longer bend. It was just like a, a <laughs> catapult, like a catapult. Yeah. I don't know. It's so weird. I don't. His throw is so I, I ugly. Just, I can't even accurately describe it. I looked up uh, Tim Tebow throwing motion while we're talking, and the first like video hit is Tim Tebow throws the football like a javelin. Okay, okay, that's kind of like the catapult <laughs> thing. I'm trying. To, yes, hundred <laughs> percent. Then you look at the mystery of Tim Tebow's throwing motion. It's terrible. No, there's it's this, absolutely this terrible. talking about hip mobility restriction as opposed to upper body mechanics problem, but still. Because uh, he looks like a freaking edge rusher. Let's it, get it, off, Tebow. It, it, let, it, me get my, he, let me get my last bust. He did look like an edge bust. rusher. There's no doubt about that. Let me get my last okay. bust that uh, broke my heart because I okay. knew it. I knew it, and I remember. I still remember where I was during this pick. These are the, This is how crazy <laughs> my brain is. Yeah. So... I remember the oh the Lions, you know, we wanted to watch the first round of the draft. The Lions already picked. I wanted the first round mm-hmm. to be over. The whole crew that we hung out with was like, let's go to the bird, which is a bar in, in Mount Pleasant, yeah. that we always went to. So I'm like, can we wait till after the first round? And everybody's being all whiny. And I'm like, all right, let's just go. The Lions already <laughs> drafted. It's good. So mm-hmm. as soon as I got in, I literally just got through the line, in the door, walk in, see the TV, Lions traded up. I'm like, what? They traded back into the first round, so I'm, like, scrambling, like, trying to remember my notes, who's available, who do I want them to take. Well, and actually, look, hold mm-hmm. on. I got these notes on here. I'll go tell you who I wanted them to take All right. before I tell there you we go. who busted. And again, this is one of the reasons why we're doing this podcast, believe it or not, and why we want to go back through this stuff is JP has taken notes since, what, 2004 or something stupid like that, or at least 2009. So that's why we're going through some of this stuff, so go ahead. Oh, and this is perfect because let's be honest, the majority of the time, vast majority of the time, I made far better picks than the Lions, which really isn't hard to do, I guess. <laughs> but um, their pick might have been better than mine, despite it being a mm. bust. I wanted them to take a guy that I listed as a bust as high on. I had Taylor Mays here. I wanted Indomitian uh-huh. Sue and Taylor Mays. Whoops. So, yep. But anyhow, so let's get on to it. Job at best. Mm-hmm. I was like, I. but the thing was, is I had an asterisk next to him phenomenal player looks yes. great yeah awesome mm-hmm. an absurd amount of head injuries it's like uh-huh. why and i think he had a knee injury i think if he mm-hmm. didn't he had it later whatever it he was did. but i was like dude if you can guarantee me he's healthy i'm fully on board with this move but there's a 95 yep. percent chance this guy never stays healthy yep. i'm not trading up to get him so i remember nope. being kind of livid about it Loved the talent, but I was like, he's going to be a bust because of injury. I literally, yeah, everybody knew that. And as the documentary goes, yeah, as the documentary goes, he was a bust because of injury. Yep. I still remember watching him fly through the air and just bang his head, and I'm like, well, he's done. And he played reckless, knowing that if somebody, like, you know, brushed up against him, he got concussed. Yep, it was tough stuff. 
All right, go ahead, Dan. What do you got? What do you got? So, Javid Best was one of the ones on my list, too. So, I just get that one out of the way right now. But uh, one that I don't know if he qualifies as a bust. He's definitely a bust with where you picked him, but he did have at least a couple decent seasons, is C.J. Spiller. I did not think he was going to be very good. Uh, and he did. He, 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 he was looked like he was going to show me wrong. He was an almost bust for me because he was right. a guy that was getting a lot of hype. And I was like, listen, I mm-hmm. like him. But I don't, I'm not buying, like, I don't like him as much as everybody else, I guess, but I do right. like him. I didn't think he was going to be a bust, but I thought he was overrated. Well, and he had his 2012 season where he had 1,200 yards uh, rushing and, like, 450 receiving, and that was his year where it's like, okay, maybe maybe I'm going to be wrong on this. But uh, then he just tanked after that. He had an okay season in 23 or 2013, rather, and then just was downhill from there and bounced around the league, didn't really do much. Part of it was because the dude couldn't hang out of the football. He had 14 fumbles in his career, and that's just not a great sign when you're doing that. But he did. He played in 90 games. He he had uh, almost uh, three 3,000 yards rushing, so he didn't have a bad career. But when you're picking someone at nine overall, you kind of hope that he's going to be with your team for at least two contracts, even as a running back. So that was one. And then the pick right after him, Tyson Alualu. Loved the name, didn't love the player. I feel like I was validated no, I on that. On both on both pages there. And then in the second round, Brandon Spikes. Uh, I don't know why I didn't like him. I just didn't think he was going to do much, and he didn't do much with the Patriots. It was a bit of a shame because I wanted him to be good because he was with the Patriots. But, yeah. yep. Hey, you know what's funny is I'm looking through the notes here. Granted, mm-hmm. it doesn't fit the category we're on. I'm looking through some of my older notes. Mm-hmm. I did have, apparently I did have a fair amount of interest in Eric Decker, who went in the third round for Minnesota. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Because I, I said... Him. I had Eric Decker or Jordan Shipley, and then I kind of circled Shipley. I was wrong mm-hmm. on that. But Oops. I was on to both of them. There you go. <laughs> you, but Eric Decker he had a solid career, though. He did. That's what I'm saying. Like, that wasn't a bad uh, wasn't a bad call. At least you were half right. There you go. And that's yeah. part of the fun. But, again, that's what we talk about with these with these drafts, especially once you get past you know the first couple players. Like you had for uh, you know some of the guys for, for 2010 and for 20, 2009 like that you were like really high on that were at the top of the draft. Sure, but once you get past that first layer – it gets interesting, and that's part of the fun. It's like, oh, well, yeah. I could pick this guy or that guy, and it's flipping a coin almost. But the interesting thing is it's almost like you can go deep into the draft and list names of guys you pound the table for. Like, I right. could go in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, even seventh round and have talent. Like, I really like that guy yep. for here. You know what I mean? But, like, when you're going with bus, it's hard to go – anything beyond the third round because you're in the fourth sure. round you're like no that guy's a bust we're like dude it's a fourth round pick right yeah, exactly more than likely he is I mean, right half the first round will probably bust so it's almost yeah, so, like the bus the bus list is always going to be way smaller than the guys you like to list that well, either worked or didn't work yeah and i think the bus list too is going to be different like i think our our guys that we thought were going to be busts that were busts are going to be first second maybe third rounders yeah the guys that we thought that, were going to be yeah. Right, and the guys we thought were going to be busts, maybe busts, or thought we weren't going to do anything and then did something, you might see some later round ones come in. And for example, I have some of that in this one. So a guy that I thought was going to be a bust and has not been a bust is the fourth overall pick, Trent Williams. Didn't think oh, he was going to be a like great Trent? offensive lineman. I didn't think he was. I, I, I thought he was a college guy who was just not going to pan out at the pro level. I didn't think he had you know, some of the flexibility and stuff like that. And he has proven me wrong many times over. So apologies, Trent, if you somehow hear this. Uh, and then, but again, the next one on the list was third round, uh, 91st pick, Navarro Bowman. I wasn't that impressed with him. Oh, and come That on. was That's, a miss. I forgot you. That was a miss. I will freely admit. I was huge on him. 
I I did not feel good. I felt good about Sean Lee. I didn't feel good about Navarro Bowman. I thought maybe, maybe Lee had uh, papered over someone to Bowman, and maybe it was the other way around. So uh, there you go on that one. And then the other pick was the fifth round, 133rd pick. And this isn't one necessarily that I thought was going to be a bust, but I didn't expect him to do anything. It was Cam Chancellor. And Cam Chancellor did some things. Part of the Legion of Boom. So he did. He's a guy. He's a guy that if you redrafted 2010, he's a first rounder, not a fifth rounder. And that's that right there speaks exactly what we're talking about here. So, yeah, those are those are my guys that I didn't think were going to work out, and I stand corrected. All right, so I got one that was a massive, massive, massive miss <laughs> on my end. Yeah. Um, I want to blame it on my my own personal bias, maybe getting in the sure. way if I'm allowed to do that. But um, I didn't think Golden Tate was going to be good, dude. <laughs> Whoops. Golden had a pretty good run. I just run. didn't. I just didn't. I don't know mm-hmm. why. I like. I think it's like, player. Probably because like I I had him down as a bust and I didn't write right. anything why. And again, this is 13 years ago, so trying to remember why I said that, I don't mm-hmm. know. The only thing I can say is that I was probably biased because I don't like Notre Dame. Sorry, Notre Dame fans. I just don't. <laughs> but it, clearly, my irrationalism got the best of me, and now I just have to make fun of myself on a podcast. To the whole there you go. So, now, now, here's a quick question for you. When Notre Dame plays Ohio State, who do you want to win? Uh, sinkhole. <laughs> Under the field? Notre Dame. Right. There you go. Yeah, that's tough. Tough one, but yeah. The real, the real question is where the tie is, because I'm always going to root for anybody over Ohio State. The real question yeah, is, is, like, when Notre Dame plays MSU, then what? It's like, oh. Ooh. Um, oh. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. Let's think about that one. That's, I oh. guess that's uh, that's your homework out there, people listening to the show. It's like, what is your I don't know who I want to root for game when it comes to college so or even pros? Because that is a good right one. There. I think State and Notre Dame is close. That one's right up there. So, um, like my pr- my pro like, one would be like if the Bears played the Jets, I'd be like, oh, oh it's the Bears every day, bud. No, because if anybody's two. playing the Packers, you're rooting for anybody but the Packers. Anybody Bears will be right. my second favorite team in the NFL if they're playing the Packers. I've, I've often my, my joke has been with Ohio State and Green Bay that you know I mean they're, they're the two least favorite teams and so the only time I'd ever root for is it bad is that I, against. I would root for Ohio State over Green Bay Green Bay is the worst of the worst that's a toss-up 100%. for me nope I just want the field nope. to implode but I have nope. long said that if if it was, the only thing that I root for either is like if Ohio State or or Green Bay was like I don't know playing the Taliban or ISIS or something it's about the only time I'd root for them it's about it I got one more bust that I was wrong about, and I'm curious to see if you oh, think okay. I was wrong. Because he right. had some flash plays-ish. Um, okay. I had Dexter McCluster on here. Did not like him. He's too tiny. Sure. To um, and I don't, was I I've, wrong about that? I mean, I think I was. Bust, the only reason not, why I think – I don't think he's a bust either, but he was a 36th overall pick. Yeah, and that's the thing. He's that weird player who, because he – I don't know, because he didn't do – what you would have expected him to do in college. I mean, he's still, or in, co- in pros, rather. He still played for a while. He made a Pro Bowl. Um, he he just, yeah, that's a good question. He made the Pro Bowl as a return man. That was his bigger yeah. thing. He was, he was the return guy. And I think you but, wanted yeah, him to be I'm, more I'm of basing a player. My, I'm basing what I, why I would lean towards calling him a bust is just based on he was the 36th overall pick. Sure, right. And, and he definitely did not live up to his draft position, but I don't think I'd call him a bust. He's on that. He's in I that. Agree. I wouldn't That's why I put, put him. I got it wrong. 
I'd have a, a, a respectful, friendly debate with somebody, but whether or not he was a bust. This wouldn't be something that I would lose uh, sleep over. But he's in that weird category of, well, he did some things, but he didn't do it consistently, and he didn't do it for what they invested in him. And that's really the big part of that piece. You wrapped up on 2010? I'm wrapped up on 2010. Let's let's go in. Let's Talk go some to the beverages. beer break, shall we? All right. Well, I'm gonna start. Oh, let me start. Let me start with okay. my hopcat. I just came from. Oh yeah, right. Yeah. And then yeah, we'll JP. The, the reason why we're doing this Friday afternoon is JP decided to take today off and uh, ah. have a couple beverages earlier. Yeah, I had to do it. It was, it was a good friend's birthday. There you go. Um, so we went to Hopcat, and you know how you and I think we covered this on the previous episodes. Why I had to interrupt you there and start with it. And for those of you who I don't w- understand what the make- world we're talking about. Hopcat is a brewery that they've got a couple locations across the state. They don't brew their own beer much, uh, but they have a lot of great collections from all over the place. They have fries. They used to call them crack fries, and then someone decided that was offensive, sent out the cosmic fries. They still taste really good. If you're in Kalamazoo or Grand Rapids or, I think, uh, Lansing and then Detroit, at least, all of those cities have a Hopcat. You'll, you'll enjoy it if you go there. So, yeah. So, you might have to correct me if I'm wrong. I, this might uh-huh. be an opportunity to make fun of myself again here. Ooh. But um, we had the... The odd side, the rye, sweet potato, souffle yep, thing, souffle. right? Mm-hmm. Okay, now I thought we had a couple variations of that, but I checked my little untapped thing, and if we did, I never checked into it, but they had a bourbon barrel, bourbon maple barrel aged rye sweet potato souffle. Dang. I don't think we had that one, and that is an amazingly long name. <sighs> Man, it would tell you, yeah, you <laughs> just witnessed how amazingly difficult it is to say, too. But, um... Very good. Mm-hmm. I'm talking the most, like, I got it, and I was pretty apprehensive to even take the first sip because I was like, man, I really mm-hmm. enjoyed the other one. I'm afraid this maple's just going to punch me right in the tongue. <laughs> very, sure. very, very little maple. Mm-hmm. Very, very little like, bourbon barrel age vibe. Very little punch from, like, the 11% alcohol that was in it. Mm-hmm. It was like a, it almost tasted like a sweet potato-y, like, with some, like, not spicy spice, but like savory spice. Mm-hmm. So imagine like a dry, like oatmeal stout, like a poet with some savory spice in there with just a subtle sure. maple bourbon vibe. Mm-hmm. Love, I give there it 425. I give it 425. Yeah. Wow. Looks like I got to try that one. Yeah, it was good. And they had it on okay. tap, which is even, even more fun. So yeah, now well, we can get into yeah. the, the beers we're sipping. Right. <laughs> tap, tap beers are usually more fun, but we didn't have tap beers today. We have bottle shop beers. And so for me... As you know, I'm showing you right now, it's the Mango Magnifico, which I think you've had at one point, right? Yes. You better have, or else I'd, it'd be a little awkward. The only reason why I drank this one was because I thought you already had it. At any rate, uh, this one was bottled back in May. It still tastes good now, and it, it the thing about this is it's got habanero peppers in there. But here's the thing. It's a pepper beer. It's a 10 percenter as well. But what I like about it, and I've been sipping on it as we've been doing this, is the mango, the habanero is there, but you see some beers that do the pepper... And it's like full-on pepper. Now, obviously, you love that, and I enjoy the heat as well, but sometimes the heat can be a bit much for me. Uh, this is very well-balanced. It's a very, like, hint of heat without hitting you in the face with it. And then the mango's a nice combo. I, I'm pleased with this beer. It's it. I mean, how I'm looking, I don't think I had it, man. I just oh, pulled up my untapped. I haven't had it. It's all I'll good. I'll have to get you another one. It, it's and all, again, well, it's not amazing. Go, if you go back there, you want to grab me a couple of those Marvel roasts? I, dude, I've been thinking about that ever since then. I really, really enjoyed that Marvel roast. Yeah, I, before I see I, you next dude, time. Dude, I'd, I'd pay for a whole sixer of that one. 
Well, I'd like uh, eventually founders to pay us for telling telling everybody how great their beer is. But yeah, and again, the hey. thing about the beer we're talking about, a lot of people can find all day IPA and Centennial and et cetera and the Porter and all those things. Uh, but the beer that you, the reason why we encourage you guys to go to local breweries and places and the beer that are around uh, wherever you're at is because you can't get this beer, the the bottle shop stuff, you, you're not going to see on shelves outside of maybe West Michigan. Uh, the the Magnifico stuff, which is their their mothership series where they get creative. You're not going to find that stuff outside of wherever the areas are. So it's really fun to be able to go to a brewery and see what kind of stuff they're up to. I've got a little excursion coming down to uh, Florida and then back up again. I'm going to be driving. So you better believe you and I are going to be you know planning out what breweries I've got to hit on the way up and down so I can get us some beer that we've been talking about. But at any rate, down. Founders, down. Founders is the focus today for what we're drinking. Um, but then you've had a couple at, uh, at Hopcat. Do you have anything besides the outside you want to talk about? Yeah, I had two there, but one was like, you know, because there's higher alcohol content in it, so you just get that little baby six-ounce pour, so I didn't even right, count sure. it as a beer. It was, like <laughs> a, it was like an encore to the other beer I had, if you will. Okay. But, uh, I had the uh, Shorts Humongous IPA, their triple Huma. All right, yeah. Which actually, you know what's crazy, is the guy sitting across from me despises IPAs, the birthday guy. Right. And I was like, dude, you got to just try this one. He's like, no way, dude. It's a triple IPA. I hate hops. I'm not doing it. I'm like, well, here's the thing about triple IPAs. He's like, what? They're worse than regular IPAs? Like, hey, <laughs> calm down for a second, will you? So, the, like, here's what the way it hits my palate. Maybe people taste it differently. Mm-hmm. But when you have a, a standard IPA, it's way hoppier, way bittier. Bit right. bittier. Bitter. So then you go <laughs> to a double IPA. And it, like, softens and gets a little stronger notes, right? Mm-hmm. By the time you get to a triple IPA, there's almost, like, this weird, strong sweetness to it. There's still mm-hmm. the hop and the bitter in the back end, but it almost, like, it's like a, I don't know, they just, it's more balanced, if that makes okay. sense. But as the alcohol sure. goes up, it takes less of the bite off and adds a sweetness. So he wasn't buying any of it, and then I eventually <laughs> talked him into tasting it, mm-hmm. and I was right. Right. Apparently, yeah. with that one, mm-hmm. he goes, "Dude, I like that." I go, "Oh, after all, the fifteen after all minutes that. of convincing you to just taste a <laughs> freaking beer, yeah. now you like it." And now he, we stopped at a little party store, and he bought a six pack of it on the way home. Well, there you go. I lied. He bought the Humas where the heart is variety. Oh, the six combo, pack. yeah. So, because uh-huh. you can't get just a six pack of the right. humongous, so. He got two of them within that well, six pack, if you will. And maybe he tries the other ones and doesn't mind it. So a couple of that he I said tried he's giving the other ones away. He said he's giving. Oh, the other all right. Ones well, away. that's good too. But, couple but of wait, tried. let me get to my founders. Let me do my founders, oh, oh, and then you sorry. do a couple, so we don't get removed. Right. So you had the founders habanero thing that I haven't right. had, but this one I've had before. But I did buy this one when we were there, and it was the curmudgeoner's better half. So I really, really, I reason I decided to choose this is because that super long name, if you don't remember from the outside, was a <laughs> maple barrel bourbon aged thing. Well, mm-hmm. if everybody knows, Curmudgeoner's Old Al is a fantastic beard by or beer by founders here, and mm-hmm. this one here is they just take that and they age it in bourbon barrels with maple syrup. Well, there you go then. So I felt obligated to do this so I could compare them both. <laughs> While I give sure. them both the same rating. Mm-hmm. It is interesting that I, I give them the same rating, but if I had to have more than one, I sadly think maybe, maybe I lean the outside route because you know me, I can get overdone with sweetness really quick. Sure. Yeah. And there's definitely more maple in the founders than what there was in the outside. Right. Yeah. And that's the so, challenge. I mean, even this uh, mango one is, is a little sweeter than I usually go for. 
So, but yeah, there's my beer. Now you can now you can get into her. Sure, a couple beers to run down the list of what I've tried uh, this week was yesterday uh, as I was meeting new roommates and things like that. As I'm going through the hilarious move uh, right now, JP can see the chaos behind me, but we're good for the show. Uh, the Widowmaker Black Ale, Ale from Keweenaw, which is a northern Michigan like Upper Peninsula beer. Uh, Widowmaker Black Ale. It was it wasn't bad. It was solid. It was a it was a three. It wasn't anything amazing, but it was a nice easy sipping dark ale. And then was at, uh, did a little bit of Broadleaf Brewery, which again is uh, tied in with Brewery Vivant over here, uh, and did uh, trivia there on Tuesday. Had the Haze Burst IPA, gave that a three and a half. It was a nice hazy one. Uh, and then uh, did their Sham Rocket, which is their dry Irish stout, which both of those seem like ones that needed to happen. So there's all kinds of beer to try out there as we're transitioning into the springtime. We're transitioning into those kind of wheat beers like the Oberons and things like that, but also. Also, those hazy IPAs are going to start coming out, and uh, that seems to be, it's its so hot right now. That type of beer just seems to be everywhere. Hey, do you mind me extending our beer break longer than normal? Well, I want you to talk about at least one that you showed me a picture of you haven't talked about yet. Oh, I don't know what that is. You'll have to remind you me if it's outside. not this one. Your little anniversary. Oh, I'll talk about that one after this. That was really right. Hit so up these two. When I went to, my, I got a uh, free beer given to me by the Ooh. little local guy who hooks me up. It was All a right. Michigan beer. Never heard mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. And I might be saying it wrong. Archival Brewing? Archibald? Ar- Archival. Archival? Yeah, that's in Grand Rapids. Archival Brewing is in Grand Rapids. So, yeah, I've been there. Oh, it's a good spot. Okay. Got a nice well, little beer garden gave, outside. They gave me the Fritz's Folly. Yeah. I don't remember if I tried that one or not, but I remember seeing it on the menu. Well, I gave it a two and a half. And I that's might have been being generous. Yeah. Well, it's a West Coast IPA. And you know how I feel oh, about yeah. West Coast IPAs. It completely right. backed up to everything I say. A West Coast mm-hmm. IPA is just a fancy term for, it's a fancy lager slash pilsner. It's very right. light. It's very, it's yeah, it's got all, it's it's a light beer. It's just what it is. <laughs> it's like something, I'll see if it's I can like, slide by if, there you're, if your dad you. wanted, he'd start getting into craft beer, and mm-hmm, he's mm-hmm. stuck on his pilsner and mm-hmm. lager, you know, Miller Lite, and Bud Lite. He's a man with yeah. West Coast IPAs. That'll, that'll, that's there a nice go. little segue. That's, good that's about all I could put on it. But the, uh. <laughs> 12th anniversary stout that you're referring to from Oddside yes. Hells. Man, I gave that sucker a 425. So just, you know what? Dang. Dan, you you know that I rarely do that. I'm the most, right. like, I rate beer like I rate quarterbacks. <laughs> I'm brutal. Absolutely brutal with it. But now I've talked about three beers today that I've given a 425 to, which is there very, very not normal. But yeah. here's the thing. It's it's just a bourbon barrel aged stout. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, let me start here. It's seventeen percent, sixteen point nine percent. Okay then. Hello, so, that? Yeah, get ready. Right. Um, but what was awesome about this is when you get these bourbon bourbon barrel aged stouts, there's always this weird chocolatey like vibe to sure. them, and I think it's described as chocolate. I th- swear it was described as chocolate <laughs> on the can. I wish I uh-huh. still had it somewhere so I could read it. But yeah. I remember tasting it, and it tasted like a beer, bourbon barrel-aged beer, like that's hot cocoa with a touch of vanilla. It was okay. not like your typical like chocolate bar. It was a cocoa chocolate, like a right, a like a darker dark chocolate. chocolate, right? Which not I'm like more a milk or sweet chocolate, right? Yeah, I very much got that vibe, and there was nice. a touch of vanilla in there, not a whole lot. So it was like sure. all I could think about. Because, you know, like when you're drinking a hot chocolate, like a cocoa, mm-hmm. and you got the little marshmallows on it, and they start to melt, and you right. get a little touch of the marshmallow. So maybe it's not vanilla. Maybe I actually am thinking marshmallow. 
But basically, basically just bourbon barrel aged hot cocoa with marshmallows on it, and that was this. And it's not too sweet. It was not too sweet. Mm -hmm. Super enjoyed it. Super enjoyed it. Um, Actually, if you made me rank all three of the ones I gave a four two five two, I'm probably going that one. So what you're telling me is people need to check out uh, Founders and Oddside right now. That Oddside 12th anniversary one, absolutely, they need to check that sucker. One, your uh, maple bourbon barrel-aged rye souffle thing. Yeah, that one was good, too. I can't believe it. <laughs> Founders might have came in the third place to both of those odd sides. Sorry about that. But the 12th anniversary definitely won. Sure. Definitely won. The other two are up for debate. Well, and we tell people Odd Side is a is a brewery in on, in Grand Haven, which is right on the uh, the the shoreline of Lake Michigan, sort of southwest Michigan. And oh my goodness, the one thing I'll say about that place is, unlike other beer companies that say, "Do we think we can sell this beer?" and then they go and sell the beer, uh, Odd Side is, "Do you think we can make this beer?" And then they make the beer. You see, you grab the can, but okay. So here's a crazy thing because I never really read it. I was right mm-hmm. about it saying so here. This might explain a lot. It's an imperial oatmeal stout aged in whiskey barrels with orange peel and white chocolate flavor. <laughs> so maybe the white chocolate flavor is what threw me off yeah. a little bit, but I thought white That's chocolate flavor is supposed to be sweeter. But that could be that marshmallow vanilla thing. Yeah. But I totally, I, I got no orange. I just mm-hmm. got hot cocoa and bourbon. Right. And no, because remember, when you sent me that picture, I'm like, this tastes like one of those chocolate orange, you know, little candy wedge things. But yeah, looks like... Uh, Looks you like you find yourself it. a good beer. I will. I'm actually might be popping out this afternoon because I might have to get some more boxes to pack stuff. We'll see. But uh, let's get on to 2011, and then we can wrap it up because uh, we've still managed to spend almost an hour talking about two years and some beer. Because you know what? There's just there's so many fun things to talk about. Tell me about your guys from 2011. Okay. I know we'll probably have a couple that that match up here. I know we will because 2011 is the draft where I was like, dude, there are so like there are five like I. I Stud players. I think we. Mm-hmm. I called them all Hall of Famers sure. at the time, and maybe they all will be. I don't know. Uh, one gets disrespected, but I love him. But uh, <laughs> in order: Von Miller, Patrick yep. Peterson, Julio mm-hmm. Jones, JJ Watt, mm-hmm. Ryan Kerrigan. And yep. you know, Ryan Kerrigan is a guy that I was screaming for <laughs> for the you Lions draft when they. I know it when they were mm-hmm. on the clock and we took Nick Fairley, who's probably going to mm-hmm. come up later. He is definitely going to come up later. But Ryan Kerrigan was my guy. I watched mm-hmm. Ryan Kerrigan at Purdue make me very, very mad during Michigan games. <laughs> and I was like, I just need to get him on my team because I'm tired of yelling at this guy. We didn't do it. And that's a shame. It. And, again, I apologize. Maybe while you're going on some of your guys, I'll go deeper. But I didn't want to talk about a lot of guys at nauseum. And I was like, I can't have more than five or six. And I got to the first 16 players and saw five I was pounding the table for, and I hit the break. So I didn't really go a whole lot farther than that. So while you're going, I guess real quick, I could go back and look at the notes for the top five on day three and say that, and then you can say the guys you like Yeah, go ahead. And I'll look and see if there's anybody else that jumps out. So in 2011, ooh, I didn't do so good on day three. The first two years I did good on day three. Here I did not. (laughs) Uh, mm-hmm. Carl Klug, Klug uh, Darrell Scott, Obizé, Greg Jones, Casey Matthews, three linebackers that did not work out, one uber-athletic running back that didn't work out, and Klug didn't really work out either. Yeah, that was rough on the day three. Definitely there nailed the go, top though. of it. But well, let me get day three stuff to there. figure out anyways. So here's what I will tell you while you're figuring that out, just for funsies, because uh, we'll, we'll, we'll give you a little bit of a hint. Uh, Nick Fairley's going to show up on the other half of this list, but I want to real quick give you a rundown of two different players 
and their overall stats in their career. So 11 years, 457 tackles, 95 sacks, even threw in three picks in that time. Another player, six years, 170 tackles, 20 sacks, no interceptions. The first one was Ryan Kerrigan. The second one was Nick Fairley. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and again, they play different positions, but still, Nick Fairley, we'll talk about him a little later on if we even need to. But yeah, as far as players that uh, I was pounding the table for, uh, Julio Jones, we already talked about him, J.J. Watt. Uh, and again, because J.J. is one of the ultimate what-ifs from a Central Michigan standpoint, because he came to CMU as a tight end, didn't decide to, to keep going that way because they didn't want to let him switch or whatever. I remember the whole story. All I know is he went from there to Wisconsin and dominated, and so that's a huge oops on the part of the Chippewas. Uh, but then two other guys that I thought were going to be great that had pretty solid careers uh, to, to varying levels, neither of them are at the Julio Jones, J.J. Watt level, was Muhammad Wilkerson as the 30th pick I thought was going to be pretty solid, and he had himself yes, a decent yeah. career. And I, uh, I wasn't, he would have been one of the guys that could have been wrong about. I wasn't too sure. high on him. Right. And then I understand. I mean, he was, he was kind of a quirky pick, but I liked him. Uh, and then the other one, because I saw him play uh, when Central went down to play uh, Kentucky, was Randall Cobb. I was super annoyed that the Packers took him. Again, he was my guy until he got taken by the Packers. And I'm like, well, crap. Because he had a lot of shiftiness, a lot of ability to play out of the slot. And he has over the course of his career. And he's still playing a little bit here and there in the NFL. So good for him, bad for me being a non-Packers fan. Want to play a game, Dan? Oh, dear. Looking through my notes, looking for guys that didn't go on the first round that I was pounding the yep. table for, and you you just tell me what category they go in. Oh, okay. Because I didn't put him on here. Here we go. Uh, Stefan Wynuski. I don't think he was a good player. Man, he played 139 games, started 106 of them, was a two-time Super Bowl champion. Yeah, okay. You know who else was Super Bowl champion? Well, I see. It's a lot well, of guys. I'm just saying. He started and won two. He was all right. Bowls. He he wasn't a, he wasn't a he, he was, made he's in that weird category. You he can probably made argue either eight way. Pro Bowls. Really? Okay. Well, there you go. I'll stand corrected on that. So he was made that many Pro Bowls. Eight-time Pro Bowl guard for the okay. Raiders, selected in the second round. Well, and okay, fair. Now, and that, and I'm not going to take that away from him. I I will not knock Steven Wisniewski for making eight Pro Bowls. But I have a huge issue with how they do Pro Bowl offensive linemen. I feel like it's, oh, this guy had one good season, so now we're going to put him in the Pro Bowl for the next six years until he hurts himself. I don't, I don't think there's a lot of rigor when it comes to offensive linemen in Pro Bowls. Now, I'm not saying Wisniewski didn't deserve those, and I'm not going to take it away from him. I mean, shoot, Brent Huntley made a Pro Bowl this year. So, hey, I'm not sure if that's a, a shot for or against Wisniewski. But, yeah, all right. Look, if you are a second-round pick and you make eight Pro Bowls, you don't count as a bust. I'll, I'll allow that. All right, so the second one here, I feel like even though he won two Super Bowls as well, this one's a little more debatable. Sure. Torrey Smith. Ooh. I yeah. pounded the table for him. Mm. 319 receptions, 5,000 mm-hmm. yards, 41 touchdowns. He's not a bust. Won two Super Bowls. He's not a bust. He's not a was, bust, but he's not what you Was he worth he the 58th overall pick? I mean, that's close. Yes and no. That's what I'm he, saying. He had. He's not He's not a bust, though. He doesn't go in the bust category. He's in that kind of... So would that be I was that right for him. pounding the table for him or no? Um, no, I don't think I th- you are either, though. That's the thing. I think he's in that I don't think I am of... because I would have taken him higher than 58. Sure. So that's why right. I think so I'm Right, so if wrong. you're pounding the table for a guy, uh, you should have a solid return on that player, and I just don't think it, it was there. Now, again, he wasn't bad. We're not trying to say that. We're not trying to say he was a bust, but he wasn't, he wasn't good enough for where he should have been. And he, if you're pounding the table for a guy, he needs to have a more solid career than that. 
All right, let's let's uh, go over into the the players that, <laughs> well, the fun of it, the guys that we said were going to be great that were not. Ah, here we go. I have three of them. I got four. Go ahead. And just because we're running kind of long, I'm just going to do one for the first three rounds. I love how My you first... always say we're running long, dude. I mean, look, it's a podcast. We people have skipped us by now if they want to go somewhere else. But that being said, don't take or pause this until later. Well, look, so I've, I've gotten, I've, dude, I've, I'll tell you this. I've been time stamping the different groupings. So if someone doesn't want to hear about 2010, they can just jump to 2011. It's fine. All right. That's fair. So my first round guy that I loved, and you know this, and part of this yeah. is a personal bias because it's my second favorite school college. Mm-hmm. But I really thought this guy was going to be different. Okay. Anthony Costanzo. Whoops. I know you remember me pounding mm-hmm. the table for him. Mm-hmm. But he is he a bust? Answer that. Seems well, how you don't again, care if we're going on. Costanzo's another one of those guys. I'm literally looking up his stats right now because I'm trying to decide if I can what category to put him in because he's. It's not like he was bad. Start. He started but, for a long time. He right, literally but, started all 144 games that he played in. Right, which is why I can't put him as a bust if he played that much. And Dude, uh, he even got a touchdown. He got a touchdown. He did. He did have a touchdown. He did have a catch. So good for him for that, right? Uh, but again, he played. One of the reasons why I'm going to put him as not a bust is he played. You know, a lot of games. He got hurt here and there, which is one of the things that that he he got dinged up several uh, several different times throughout his career. But the thing about him was he was never amazing, but he was good enough to play left tackle for one team for a decade. That right there shows me he's not a bust. Even if he wasn't necessarily, he's not a Hall of Famer, but he's not a bust. You want to know why I still got this wrong? Sure. Well, and one of, you know, maybe a couple, maybe a little bit of it's up for debate, but I doubt it. I said he was the best offensive tackle in the entire class, which means I'm saying he's better than both. Nate Solder and Tyron Smith. Well, that that might not have worked out as well for you. Correct. A little bit awkward. But all right. So the next ones, the next ones here. Second round player, Mikel Lashore. Never even sure. fumbled, I believe, in in college. Like yep. I love this guy. Lions he even took bruising him. back. Son of a gun. And then third <laughs> round pick, linebacker out of Nevada. I re- I know you probably remember this name. Probably forgot about it. But Dante Mock. Yeah. No, I like Dante Mock quite a bit for a third. Mm-hmm. But I did have that roughly that grade on him. This right, wasn't sure. a guy I was saying was, should but be drafted on day one pick. or even high on day two. I said this will be a late day three pick that's going to be a sneaky, really good player. He wasn't. Right. Well, and again, that's the thing. You talk about sneaky good players. Like we've, we've obviously, as Lions fans, are huge fans of Rodrigo in there right now. Uh, and again, who knows? He had a good rookie season. We'll see what continues for him. But so far, it Don't looks like he's going to be someone. Don't you jinx no, Rodrigo? But so far, he seems like someone that we pounded the table for. It's going to work out, right? But uh, guys that I did, I pounded the table for, and it didn't work out to different varying levels. These guys are all at different levels when it comes to how it, how much it did or didn't work out. But uh, the eighth overall pick, my favorite quarterback in this draft, Jake Locker. Wow. You thought he was going to be just, good, Just, huh? wow. I thought he was going to be good. I liked his athleticism. Mm-hmm. I thought he was going to figure out the other issues, and he just never did. It, it was a shame. Uh, and so, yeah, Jake Locker, sorry, just just didn't pan we, out. We may be talking about him later. All right. Well, Prince of Mukamara was another one at the 19th pick that I really liked. And I'm not saying he was bad because he did have some good seasons here and there. Uh, but when you pick a guy 19 overall, I, I get you just you feel like you're going to have him – 
on your team for over a, for a decade plus, and he's going to be, you know, a potential first round or not first round, like potential Hall of Fame or whatever. And just overall, and maybe I'm just annoyed because I didn't think he played as well as he should have, but he just didn't play as well as he should have, in my opinion. I don't know. He had okay. some good tackling numbers, uh, but he never really lived up to it from an interception standpoint and was kind of, you know, bouncing around, got hurt a couple times, and just overall was a serviceable player, but not a first-round draft pick. And then two other guys a little later on in the second round. This was a Detroit pick that, uh, boy, I thought he was going to be good. And Titus Young, rest in peace, did not All things considered, he, w- he was good till he got he was good. Antonio and Brown he, crazy really quick and really fast. He did. Yeah, and that's the thing. Titus Young had 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 some issues, and so again, he. But the reason why he's in that bus category for me is, yeah, he didn't. He was good on the field, but then the off-field stuff. He chose. He didn't t- choose the right path to deal with it. I'm not gonna sit here and and knock him for it. It's like again, not gonna delve into mental health challenges and and what type of world he was dealing with. But he did not get the right help. Is really what it comes down to, and and that was a shame for him. Uh, going way, way too young. But then in the fifth round, another guy that I really liked that he, he had flashes here and there. Uh, and he was a small running back, but Jaquiz Rogers. I remember him coming out of oh, yeah. uh, Oregon State. I was yeah. a huge fan of that little guy. And he did flash again here and there, but uh, but he never really never really panned out. I mean, 5'6", 200 pounds, right? This is a little tank dude. And he still had 2,000 yards rushing. He he still, you know, had to... Keep that uh, in mind with the little tiny guys in this year's draft. All right. I mean, and he had, you know, 1,500 yards receiving over the course of his career, but just overall just did not, unfortunately, pan out the way you're hoping See, he would. And comments like that's exactly why I came up with the idea to do the, this little series, if you will, because mm-hmm. you can reflect on guys you liked and then maybe look right. back and like, yeah, maybe I should have considered the fact that he was 5'6 and negative 100 pounds. <laughs> Oi, stop you know picking I mean? on Deuce Vaughn. Well, it's not just Deuce. Devin's, they're right there, too. Yeah, no, little guys. We'll see what happens. But again, it also uh, depends what your expectation is for him. I thought he was going to out... He 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 kind of did outplay the fifth-round draft pick just because he was a fifth-rounder. But overall, he still was just never more than just an afterthought on an, on an offense. So, Are we ready for bus? Let's, let's run through these busts, man. I think we both have one of the same busts that we both thought was going to be a bust. Yep. Maybe the 13th well, overall pick. again... Yep, he's on there. You can just start with him. I'll just skip to him. I'll start from the bottom. Nick Fairley. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. I did not think he was going to be good. He looked way too squishy. Um yep. Loved his intensity, but he's way too squishy. Mm-hmm. And I saw Ryan Kerrigan sitting there, so it didn't matter who was there. Uh, right. Kerrigan was the only pick for me. So, yep. But, yeah, I did not like the Nick Fairley pick. And everybody around me, I remember I said on this one, I was at B-dubs. And mm-hmm. everybody's around me like, oh, Nick Fairley and, and Dominican Sue side by side, the potential. I'm like, yeah, yeah. the potential, but the likelihood. Let's talk <laughs> well, about and a lot that. of people had Fairley as like a top five pick potentially. And no. so when he fell to 13, yeah. they're like, oh, this is great value. I was like, no, sorry, stop. Yeah, I'm still out. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, and then just to, you know, I guess strengthen my statement about me being absolutely brutal on quarterbacks. And then I got a fun take on these after I list them. Mm-hmm. So bus Jake locker. Ah, that actually was a bust bust. Blaine Gabbert actually was a bust bust. Christian Ponder actually was a bust, <laughs> but there's a funny statement that's mm-hmm. going to come later. Cause there is another quarterback mm-hmm. in this class that I also said was going to be a bust that probably wasn't a bust, but the funniest part about it is, 
is I thought all of them were going to be bust, but I did say, if you made me pick one, I'm picking Blaine Gabbert. And And then it's funny, because Brad still still says to this day, and I don't know if anybody's listening, he's been on an episode or two way back, but... um, He's like, you loved Blaine Gabbert. I was like, no, no. <laughs> I said he was going to – you asked me who the best quarterback of the bunch was. Mm-hmm. I said Blaine Gabbert. And then you right. stopped listening because the rest of it was, but they're all bad. Right. And so, yeah, and that was what I was going to – I still love poking you about that too. And in your defense, Blaine Gabbert is still kind of on the fringes of this league, whereas uh, pretty fair. much all the rest of those guys not. So you can say that even though he's basically – look, Blaine Gabbert – you know, and uh, and while we're while we're sitting here, um, Blaine Gabbert. Here's what I will tell you for that man. Uh, he has made a career out of being a backup, and I will give him full props for that. Because when you look at his career, this man has earned twenty five million dollars for starting like six games. That's a good deal. Good work, Blaine. Oh, he set your his family up. <laughs> financial career was a hell of a success. He did great, right? Well, and again, that's the whole thing. Like this year, Jameis Winston talking about one of the reasons why he decided to take the backup role in New Orleans as opposed to try to go somewhere else is he's been hurt the last three years and he knows he's going to be hanging onto a clipboard and not getting the, the punishment. Blaine Gabbard's like, I've been doing this for a decade, dude. You should try it sometime. Maybe he talked to Blaine. Who knows? But yeah, so Nick Fairley was one of mine. Danny Watkins, guard from Baylor, didn't get a good vibe from him, didn't feel like he was going to do much, and, and he didn't. Uh, and then Jonathan Baldwin, who was a really big-bodied wide receiver that a lot of people mm. were kind of high on, and obviously he went in the first round, but he just seemed like a big dude who did not impress me personally. And so those were three that in the first round that I felt were going to not pan out and did not pan out. But then you know, there's the other quick, side. I keep I keep bouncing around and going back and forth. Tell me where this guy fits because mm-hmm. I said he was going to be good. Okay. He was on my notes, and I didn't talk about him. Tell me what category he goes in. But I got okay. Jimmy Smith as a guy highlighted, and I like the cornerback out of Colorado that ended up playing some safety for the Ravens. Right, and he's another one of those players that he played a lot of games. He played, you know, he wasn't necessarily an amazing player, but he was still a solid contributor to their defense. He's not a bust. Where did he get drafted Super- again? Uh, late 20s, uh, Super Bowl champion, 365 sure. tackles, 14 picks. Well, that's touchdowns. my point. He's not a bust, but he also wasn't what they were hoping for out of a first-round draft pick. No, and that's why I say it. That, that's why I asked, where do you think but he's he in that, he's in he that can't be a bust. But no. He's in that weird range of Maybe we need not to have a bust player, and disappointments. He's a disappointment. <laughs> he qualifies as, and again, you can have varying degrees of a disappointment. He's like a... That he's he falls into, so there's busts, disappointments, and that's a shame. I think Jimmy Smith is a that's a shame to me. It was like, oh, well, you did all right, but he should have been better. Hey, I didn't say this guy was going to be, he wasn't a my guy, and I didn't say he was going to uh-huh. be a bust, but I put a question mark on him and wrote pedigree. Um, so maybe mm-hmm. I lied earlier when I said the only Alabama players that I've been on board <laughs> with pr- prior to this year were Julio mm-hmm. Jones and Chance Warmack, and Chance Warmack right. did not work out. Whoops. But apparently I gave Mark Ingram a semi-pass based on the pedigree mm-hmm. from who his dad was. Sure, right, yeah. And it looks like I wasn't pounding the table for him, but according to my, you know, what are we now, um, 11 years ago, Mark? Mm-hmm. Uh, like Mark Ingram 11 years ago? Right. Apparently I was, uh, apparently I was okay with him. I looked at Mark Inger's name like six times to try and decide if I wanted to put him in either of these categories, and I just didn't because he was another one that I'm like, yeah, I was all right with. I thought that he wasn't a first-round draft pick, but at the same time, it's probably he's about played, how I was feeling. 
he's played he's had well, solid career. I'll he say hasn't this: played he amazing. He he probably had a better career than what I thought he would have. Yeah. All things considered, I feel I feel like I gave him a pass because of his dad. Sure. Yeah, which is fair. All right, let's get to this last category of guys that we thought were going to bust that did not bust. I I guess I'll start it because I already said there's a guy I I said Cam Newton was going to be a bust too. Sure. I didn't think he was going to be a bust, but I did not think he was going to be as good as he was. I thought that he was. I didn't very like much any of these quarterbacks. Well, Every the quarterback in this entire draft, I did not like. It's fun. Uh, it's fun that you have the comps that we have this year. The people are saying Cam Newton and Anthony Richardson. Here's what I can tell you. The physical comps are similar. The athleticism is similar, even though Anthony Richardson might be more athletic. Cam Newton yes, is more accurate. But here's what I can tell you. I did not like Cam Newton. I'm not sure. I've never met the man. I can't sit back and say this is based off personal interaction or whatever. And apparently he's done great things for the community in Carolina. Sure. Just didn't like how he presented himself. He was like a wide receiver playing quarterback. It's like he needed all the attention. It's almost like he had inferiority complex, had to constantly feel like I'm good, right? And now again, I have no basis for that based off just the vibe I got. Anthony Richardson, and I'm going to say this again before we get to the draft, I am so on board with this man making it work. I just wouldn't draft him. I'm a huge fan of him, but I just yeah, don't I know that I would trust picking him. But I think he's if everything that you've read about him, he seems like a great dude who wants to work hard and wants to make it work. I just don't know if it's going to get put together. But I think he has a better chance of it happening. That being said, Cam Newton didn't have him on the bus list, but had him very close to it. I, I get it. I, I mean, I had him on my bus list. I'll take that one on the chin. Um, <laughs> another one, and I could... This one you could maybe debate whether or not I was wrong on. Tell me, mm-hmm. tell me what you think. I had Marcel okay. Darius in there again, the Bama thing. See, I got Marcel Darius as well. So Do he's another guy he was, that does he? I don't count? think he was a bust. He doesn't count as a bust, but he you also really again he's that. not a. I think he's at the very least was mediocre. Yeah, uh, admittedly, the third overall pick you're expecting him. That's to That's why good. I'm stuck on it. But That's I still why think that when you he look made at Marcel two Darius, Pro Bowls. When I think of the third overall pick, I'm thinking this is a Pro Bowl, consistent Pro Bowl player. Sure. Maybe a Hall but of I Famer. Look, I don't know. I also look at a guy that played you know, for the better part of a decade and was a solid contributor on some of those teams. I mean, he still Absolutely. had 10 sacks that year. So I just, I can't everything you're saying, category. I'm just going to keep going third overall pick, though? <laughs> so he's a disappointment. Yeah. Is that his? Yeah, he's a disappointment. But I wouldn't so I was him kind of right? Do I get a partial right? I think we can both Do put ourselves both in partial because I've got because I've got him on that wrong side of things, if you will. Partially because we didn't want to have eighteen categories on our list of things we're going through. But Marcel Darius is a guy that we both thought was going to bust that didn't really bust, but he also was a disappointment. I think that's there's several guys are going to fall in that category too. Who else have you got? I got another guy that I could probably argue that I was partially right on, but it wasn't oh, okay. due, due to other reasons. But I didn't know the other reasons were going to present themselves. Okay. I just wasn't I wasn't high on him. But and he may not be a bust. We'll see. What do you think? But I had Alden Smith that I was wrong on. I looked at Alden Smith a couple times and thought about putting him on the list as well because I wasn't high on him either. But I also felt like he was more in that he had a couple, nebulous he had category. A couple, he had a couple phenomenal he a couple seasons, years. but he also didn't have the longevity. So that's why I didn't put him. He wasn't a bust, but he also wasn't you know overwhelming. He was in that kind of not. He's he's like the you know the meteor, right? The whole burns up real quick, like burns bright and burns fast, and then he's out. But uh, the other two guys that I had on my list were Cameron Hayward. So that's an oops. Just didn't yeah. didn't think he was going to be great. In, in, in all later, fairness, around. In all fairness, though, he was a guy that like I didn't pound the table for him, 
but mm-hmm. I didn't think he was going to be a bust, but I certainly didn't think that he was going to be as good as he was. But right. he was just so one of those a... in-betweener guys. He's like, yeah, sure. I'm cool with you taking him. It's not like one of my guys, right. but I'm good with that. Well, and that's a guy who, at the 31st pick in the first round, has played up to his first-round draft pick, right? Yes. Uh, and then another one that was in the third round that I just wasn't impressed with, and I'm not going to say I, I was thinking he was going to be a bust, but I just didn't expect anything out of him, it was Justin Houston, and he's oh. done some things. He's done so, some things. Yeah, that, and again, he, he found his role as a, as a pass rusher and really leaned into it uh, for Kansas City and then again a little bit for Baltimore too. So that kind of gets us through the first three seasons. Any other notes you want to touch on here for the guys we've talked about? No, I don't I don't think so. I mean, we've been going on about it. I mean, I guess the only thing I would say is just, just a reminder. I mean, there's we're trying to do three years into one little episode. So I got a lot more takes about a lot more people that I liked that worked out. And I got a lot more takes about people that I liked that didn't. And everything well, we've already gone about. on. I, I could do an hour like, and a half. So I could do 15 <laughs> players in each category if I really wanted sure. to, but I just tried to hit the main ones. We'll tell so, you what, that's, once that's we get awesome. around to, uh, to doing some, I don't know, Patreon stuff or whatever, where people get bonus stuff, we made you an episode of bonus content where you just get to hear JP riff. We'll see what happens. But for right now, that wraps us up for this show. Again, we did uh, 9, 11 and, uh, 9, 10, and 11. We'll do 12, 13, 14 next show and work our way up to the 2020 draft as we prepare ourselves for the 2023 NFL draft which is coming up in less than a month. So keep tracking on with us and get to figure out whether or not you think we're going to know what we're talking about by the time we get to that one with Draft Draft.